Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, we hope you've been enjoying the conference so far. My name is Jessie Stania, and I'm a PhD student based at the Wellcome Centre for Cultures and Environments of Health at the University of Exeter. And my name is Nicole Miglio. I'm a PhD student at the Università Vita Salute Sarafelli in Milan. This presentation is actually based on a forthcoming book chapter, which we have co-authored together. It is called Painful Experience and Constitution of the Intersubject Itself, a Critical Phenomenological Analysis. Okay, without further ado, let's, uh, let's get going. So, pain is ordinary and integral to our experiential landscape. A background texture of pain characterizes our whole lives. I flinch away from a hot pan as it brushes against my arm at the stove, or I scratch an itch and the sensation is both soothing and prickles my skin. If we considered these routine and mundane ways in which every pain features in everyday experience, it becomes clear that far from presenting only through unusual and excruciating events, pain is familiar and vital for navigating the world. Pain draws our attention to our bodies as they pertain to our surroundings. And while everyday pain is often a far cry from the overwhelming agony of extreme injury, it is nonetheless recognisable as pain across these various contexts. Then the treatment of pain is a huge global pharmaceutical industry, largely based on a medical conception of pain as a set of quantifiable conditions in the physiological body. However, in a relational sense, it is not only physical hurt that painful experience can reveal. Social as well as political contexts produce and sustain subjects in pain, as they are alternately marginalized, disbelieved, prioritized, or cared for. So the status of their painful experience garners significance in this relational intersubjective context. The situation of people and their pain is rarely thematized in bioethical discussion of painful experience and healthcare. Theoretical conceptions of pain as a, as a phenomenon have variously and equivocally presented it as simple sensation, fundamental affect, constituent of suffering, instrument of power, and condition of the life world. Rarely, however, is this relational aspect of painful experience drawn out, um, as Nicole has, has mentioned. By taking a critical phenomenological approach, this paper seeks to critique and further these conceptions by elucidating the complexities of pain as a phenomenon and by better accounting for the contextual and intersubjective variation of painful experiences. We suggest that this phenomenological account might be integrated into life world-based approaches to care and treatment of pain through social and political engagement. So we begin with a summary and a critique of contemporary literature. So there is a certain academic consensus regarding pain's broad characteristics. However, as conceptual analysis, they tend not to fully attend to the complexities of painful experiences as they are lived through phenomenologically. We then argue that they therefore inadvertently compromise and over-reduce their descriptions of pain and consequently overlook matters of significant political import. As disability studies scholar Alison Patsavas notes in 2014, even scholarship that directly challenges the biomedical dominance of pain leaves 
the universal private, individualized, and tragic experience of pain largely intact. So what does matter actually? It matters how pain comes into experience and by whom it is born. Yet this is too rarely acknowledged in theoretical accounts of pain. Yeah, for example, aversiveness is frequently assumed to define painfulness. And in accounts like those, pain is presented as intrinsically aversive, disruptive and contrary to normal experience. It is not clear, however, that that's the case. The potentially pleasurable pain of getting a tattoo or running a marathon or engaging in sexual masochism, for example, differs substantially from the abdominal throb of appendicitis, for example, as do the normative meaning complexes surrounding each experience respectively. Under certain conditions, pain can actually be experienced as pleasurable or desirable, not as essentially aversive. Pain here is not always an inconvenience to be borne, later deemed worthwhile according to a logic of calculation, but rather it can be an intrinsically meaningful part of experience as lived through. And moreover, pain's temporary givenness, its surprising or enduring character, gives form to the experience itself. So pain is rarely, if ever, a constant, but rather the shape and intensity of pain tends to vary along with embodied activity or circumstances. The potential for pain to be aversive depends largely on existential conditions that exceed localized and static bounds of an anonymous body. However, many authors stop short of questioning the structural condition which disproportionately affect certain people in pain and also alter the very character of the painful experience itself. It is not simply that pain is aversive and therefore causes suffering in the left world in a linear sense. By presenting pain itself as the source of feelings of devastation and suffering, contrary discourses risk oversimplifying the structural condition that produce and sustain that pain. So pain, suffering, and their associated aversiveness are not simply determined by sensations in the body. Popular discourses create entrenched ways of understanding and receiving pain, and in turn shaping how we experience pain itself and the meaning it comes to bear. Simple medical explanation in this perspective basically failed to explain what pain is accepted as more unnatural or abnormal. Different situations, care and neglect, relative control and precarity, drastically alter the manner in which pain is experienced. There is huge stigma attached to many painful experiences, particularly those in chronic pain. Um, for, for those in chronic pain, neoliberal medical discourses individualize and decontextualize factors that make pain unbearable. By interpolating subjects as responsible for their own pain and suffering, framing their decisions on pain management as matters of personal choice and moral failure, gendering and racializing notions of stoicism and compulsory able-bodiedness, and proliferating a sense of being a burden who must overcompensate for care. In reality, of course, pain is rarely, if ever, experienced in isolation. We might ask how 
explicitly acknowledging and valuing this interdependence could transform experiences of pain? Then, yeah, from our analysis, it emerges the idea that intersubjective encounters are moments for possible shared recognition of pain. So others can turn away from our pain in disbelief and disregard. However, in this particular real, it feels to us, but it does not follow that it is never possible to empathize. While it would be insensitive and wrong to claim that we can fully know another person's experience, it is certainly true that in empathy, we have our own experience of others' pain. There is a co-experiencing of the phenomenon. My friends and family, and even my doctor, will know what it is like to live with my pain in their own way. And their responses will in turn make the experience feel problematic or recognize. So the overlapping boundaries between my pain, their pain, and our pain constitute a co-experiencing of pain together. We suggest that problematic claims to the universal aversiveness of painful experiences, for example, or of its ultimate incommunicability, can be challenged phenomenologically. And this is particularly important when it comes to treatment of pain or pathologization of behavior. For this reason, we turn to the rigorous work of Edmund Husserl, as well as the recent work of critical phenomenologists, in order to contribute an account of pain that can attend to these complexities at different levels of experiential constitution. Critical phenomenology is a theoretical attitude that takes up and critiques classical phenomenological conceptions of power relations, as well as using the traditional toolkit to explore topics usually neglected or overlooked within the phenomenological canon, such as marginalization and oppression. Taking this latter approach, we start our analysis of pain with a rereading of Husserl's reflections on the sensible body as developed in Ideas 2. Um, so the body can be perceived and experienced by the subject in two different ways, as body object, the curva, or the lived body, the lib. This is perhaps the most fundamental insight offered by phenomenology in that our bodies are given as objects with extension in space and time and are subject to perceptual rules and structures. On the other hand, my living body is the body which I experience, the body I feel and the very nexus of my acting, thinking and being in the life world. So this distinction between body object and lived body is instructive when applied to the case of pain, since the subject of painful experience is neither a disembodied consciousness nor a mere physiological organism, but rather it is the lived body as experienced by myself and as myself. Pain is then experienced by a subject who has and is their body at the same time. More precisely, however, pain is experienced experiences as localized in the body with varying degrees of precision such that it might be possible to gesture and show where it hurts. So in the ideas to assert Kant's pain among the tactile sensation that constitutes not only the life but also higher objectivities. This insight is integral to our thesis that painful experience discloses several interconnected and intertwined levels of constitution. 
Painful experiences, Husserl says, play a role in acts of valuing analogous, unquoting, to that played by the primary sensations for the constitution of objects as spatial things, end quote. It is not the case that through acts of taking up, pure sensations are transformed into intentional experiences. Instead, sensations like pain, as they are lived through, arise kinesthetically through the body and in associative synthesis in ways that effectively move us. So as Bertrand put it, I quote, sensation accounts for the fact that once certain thresholds are reached, we follow the pulsations and organization of the perceptual field, rather than our actions leading us to the object, rather than our perceptions being explicative, does pneumatic constituents bring the object to us and introduce it to us? Yeah, so if we think it through, a sharp pain might awaken me at the level of personal consciousness and gradually the localization of the pain, the location of it in my body might become constituted and objectivated through a temporal process. So I might move my body this way and that, I press where it hurts, I discover how the pain modulates and worsens. Experience is founded by effective primal sensation prior to this objectivation. These sensations feature in a flow of temporal experience, time-constituting consciousness, within which objectivation through the passive syntheses of temporality and association is possible. Retention, primal impression, and protension play their role here. More than this, habits, inclinations, and associations accrued over time influence what acts and objects of experience appear for me. So... Through the process of objectivation, the pain becomes an intentional object to be investigated, located, imagined, remembered, etc. The cause of the pain emerges as a naturalistic concern to be reflected upon, as opposed to the pain as it is lived through. So, in seeking a causal explanation for the painful experience, and does objectify the pain, the subject also seeks recognition and legitimation of the pain as something. So my personal history with painful experiences will come into play. Perhaps I have felt like this before, recognize it, and experience personal meaning associated with this kind of pain. I may be able to tune out the sensation of pain as the experience is constituted for me in that various way. Or I may distract myself, or it may become more normal or a bit for me. So this painful experience will also have garnered intersubjective significance depending on my circumstances and the care available. I may wonder whether I'm likely to be believed if I seek help, for example. Other questions arise within the painful experience. Do I trust in any healthcare provision to which I have access? How long do I anticipate this pain will continue as a result? And does that anticipation feel bearable? Does this pain feel shameful? And do I feel worthy of care? These aspects of the painful experience may, in fact, problematically intensify or normalize these very pain sensations, depending on the intersubjective social and political context within which I find myself. Yeah, the questions we address in this part are the following. How does our being in the world shape our experiences of pain 
and how does our social and political situation affect the constitutive level of experience? What pain matters to whom? So we argue that structural conditions may make one's experience more or less painful, bearable, or dangerous. The experience of pain is mediated by a complex web of social and political structures in ways that parallel experiences such as that of being pregnant, being ill, dying, aging, breastfeeding, or living through changes in mental health. So the common denominator is the intersubjective context, directly influencing the quality and the value of the experience for the subject. Our lived bodies, as both natural and cultural, are dynamically co-determined in situ by our subjective responses and into the subjective context and environment, as well personal and clinical histories and idiosyncrasies influence how painful experience are lived through. Yeah, but in particular, however, structural violations at the intersubjective level of experience affect the most immediate sensory experience of pain. Pain tolerance can become eroded through enduring pain without support, care or belief from others, for example. It may be especially difficult to make sense of pain without any shared understanding, and if not believed by those who might ease our pain, such as health practitioners. And senses of helplessness or shame in pain are more pervasive across certain intersections and positionalities. That's the reason, actually, why we decide to consider a phenomenological focus. And the first one is called quasi-transcendental structures. And according to Gwenter analysis, there are some structures which are not a priori, I quote, in the sense of being absolutely prior to experience and operating the same way regardless of context, end quote. But otherwise, that they have a key role in the constitution of our experience of ourselves, others, and the world, and I quote, in shaping the meaning and the manner of our experience. So in the case of pain, it happens that patriarchy, white supremacy, and heteronormativity, for instance, are ways of seeing that actively inform our natural attitude and shape the quality of our experience, in turn becoming ways of making the world, particularly as they're played out by medical practitioners. So structural relations such as gaslighting and silencing of people's experience of pain, especially across further intersections of marginalization, can result also in differential pain treatment, neglect, and appealing personal consequences. In this way, the intersubjective level of painful experience, including the management and treatment of pain, directly affects the lowest and most immediate sensory level of the pain. Pain is complexly co-determined by social, structural and political features. We believe that acknowledging pain as a constitutive experience of subjectivity may help us to shape alternative approaches to healthcare, such as intervening in the passive-active practitioner-patient dynamic, translating practices of care to cultural contexts or other cultural contexts, rather. Um, challenging the oppressively normative and naturalized notions of good or deserving pain, and extending an understanding of epistemic injustice. By attending to these complexities of painful experience and associated suffering, a radically different notion of care may emerge as appropriate for each person beyond unsympathetic and clinical elimination of pain altogether. 
yeah, actually painful experiences draw our attention to our body as they pertain to our surroundings, not only in their physicality, but also in their sociality. So acknowledging pain as a constitutive aspect of subjectivity may help to shape alternative approaches to healthcare through a reconsideration of the situated experience of the subject, not only in terms of personhood and abstract rights, but also and above all as embodied and situated. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our presentation. Um, we look forward to your feedback and questions. Um, our email addresses are on the slide if you'd like to get in touch. And we hope you enjoy the rest of the conference.